Attention listener, be advised. This podcast contains a one-hour one-off. The action inside has been compressed to dangerous levels. Expect chaos to ensue. Pushing a tabletop game into less than 60 minutes may well leave your local time-space continuum severely distorted. Do not try this at home. Side effects may include excessive fun, discarded rules, and death. With all that said, no experience is required to listen to this recording. Humor not included. And now, a word from our friends at Gun for Hire. At Fear the Boot and at the Houseman, spelled H-U-S-S man. December 1933. You'd expect Chicago to be cold, but not this year. It's hotter than a kiss between Harlow and Flynn and just as thrilling. Trouble's blowing in the Windy City. Capone might be in the big house, but even a half-wit knows full well Al didn't leave the pitcher. But that's not stopping his lieutenants from squabbling over the scraps, and it sure as hell ain't stopping the other gangs from trying to knock Capone's outfit down a few pegs. Any palooks with some Tommies and attitudes are grabbing at that pie like a fat kid at Thanksgiving. But there's something brewing in Chicago's shadows, and it's not that next batch of bathtub gin. No, this is something that bites a lot harder and leaves a mark that won't heal anytime soon. My name's E.I. Wick, and I want to tell you about four palooks just trying to beat the breadlines and survive the day-to-day. But life's got other plans for this Private Jane and her three friends. To hear their story, then slide your feet to the dark side of the street and visit gunforhireap.com. That's gun with two ends. Gun for Hire. A Deadlands Noir actual play from Fear the Boot. Hey guys, what are we doing? We're filming a one-hour one-off episode. <laughs> We're filming. Filming. <laughs> cameras pug. Yeah, everybody smile for the camera. Yeah. Wait, you guys can't see us. Weird. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're out here with us. Audio only, nothing. <laughs> Lyrica needs to be quiet. Or she's gonna be in the room. <laughs> what? I I think it's fine. if Lyrica gets picked up. Um, you know, like like yeah, what are we hiding? One hour one off is filmed in front of a live studio audience of one editor. One Lyrica, <laughs> a single Lyrica. All right, I think we've reached our banter budget for the episode. Uh, anything further, and we legally have to classify this show as a comedy. <laughs> so. So, gang, what are we doing? What we have today is a special Deadlands Noir one-off done in Noir. Yeah, yeah. You like that? I'm just whispering into my mic. It's fine. Keep going. Mm -hmm. Done in heartfelt collaboration. No. Done in honor of our buddies over at Alex. Gun for hire. Go check them out. They are wherever you listen to podcasts. G-U-N-N. For hire, uh, they are a dope Deadlands Noir podcast that was nice enough to give us a shout out on their podcast. So we're doing the same. They're really good. Check them out. I know I said that like four times, but do it today. In Deadlands Noir, we see a scene of rainy Chicago. The year is 1935. 
Crime rules the streets, and oftentimes people are forced to turn to forces outside the law to solve those crimes. Rundown police forces are unable or unwilling to deal with the massive rise in mob violence, and private eyes are often the ones that end up combating these forces. One such private eye is none other than... Magnum Cordite. Uh, Derek, do you want to ask Blake the three questions? Three? I've always answered four. But <laughs> four <weren't>. questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alright. Mr. Cordite, what do you like? What do you hate? What do you fear? And what are you hoping to attain? What do I like? There was a time when I could say justice, but since the rise of the mob, I'm not sure I get to say that anymore. But I do get a certain satisfaction from my work. What do I hate? Dealing with troubled dames without any liquor. What do I fear? That it's gonna catch up with me eventually. Of all the people I've pissed off, one of them is finally gonna get me, and I won't be able to crack it. What am I hoping to attain? What's anyone hoping to attain, really? Maybe just a small measure of justice in this crazy city. I... this is just a thing for me, but I, I would like to hear some of the, like, classic hard-boiled private eye, like, weird similes that they do. Like, she was cool, like the refrigerator at Costco when the milk's coming in on a Tuesday. Like, that sort of thing. Because <laughs> I, I feel like that's a very noir kind of... I like to keep my friends close and my enemies closer. Specifically, my enemy model 45. The one I keep on my hip. Yeah, like like that sort of thing. That's true. You're right. I had I had forgotten a very important aspect of this character. What's the aspect, Mr. Cordite? Or <laughs> No, that that is me forgetting to forgetting that similes are important in noir. Uh, gotcha, gotcha. Most days I go around with eight slugs on me. Normally, I only have to use the two in my flask. Too much of a stretch? It, it takes a bit of, like, mental gymnastics to decode it, but it makes sense after I think about it for a little while. You, you should... Maybe... Oh, no, I should have been... Uh, use the two of, in my flask instead of the six on my hip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we're good to go off. Alright. We see the outside of a red brick building. Rain drips down some dirty windows. And as we peer through one of those windows, we see four people in a bar. The walls are that same red brick, stained dark by cigarette smoke. The floor's hardwood is worn and gray. The bar top was red once, but now only shows its color through a dull stain in the wood. There's a line of stools at the bar, 
four round tables in the far right corner, and four booths against the far wall to the left. One of these people in the bar is Magnum Cordite. Where are you sitting, Magnum? I'm sitting alone in a corner booth. I have a half-finished glass of bourbon in front of me. The only light on my face is the dull glow from the cigarette I'm pulling on. The barkeep Sandy paces back and forth, cleaning empty glasses, and... It's strange, the tap at the bar seemingly selects a beer and pours itself without any touch of her hand, just on its own. As you're looking around, the clock strikes midnight. And then something strange happens. Well, not too strange. A blackout hits. They're common in Chicago. Mare's cheap. In the dark, a chair scrapes across the floor. There's some scuffling, then a clunk, and a gun's action racks. A brief silence, then three heavy steps, a sharp click, then an explosion. You feel a slug pierce your chest and exit out your back with your soul. You feel the impact of hardwood on your back, then nothing. You open your eyes. You see the bar. You see three other people in the room. You see the clock. It reads 11 p.m. You know the deal. You've been brought back by your deal with the devil, so to call it. The Manitou that brings you back every time has done it again. You have one hour to solve your murder without violating any of the long list of stipulations in the contracts about not changing the course of events. And if not, you go straight to hell. I'm real glad that because I'm an hour back, my glass is full. I slam the rest back. It's going to be one of those nights. I leave the table, take a quick look around the room, Describe the people. Sandy Bishop's at the bar. She has almond skin that matches her eyes, and a smooth, clear complexion. Her hair is in a tight, practical bun under a red handkerchief, and there are a few odd lumps under that handkerchief. There's a man sitting at one of the tables uh, across the room from you. You don't know his name, but he has a pale, worn complexion and strong muscles that suggest a worker. His hair is a dark, ruddy brown, and he's wearing a dirty white tank top and baggy, dark wash jeans. You don't know the name of the man at the bar either, but he's wearing a suit and black shoes, and you can see the back of a short, well-kept haircut. Baggy jeans could easily hide the kind of hardware I'm looking for. But worker, no. 
worker's more of a suspect, he'd be more likely to take a dangerous job. But suit, suit could be mob. That makes him worth investigating. Barkeeper? Unlikely. I'll have to ask her after the other two. I cross the room to the man in the suit. Sit down at the bar stool next to him. I wait a little bit. Continue pulling on my cigarette. Eventually, start to turn to him. You notice he has a tan that is obviously fake given the season. The sun doesn't come out much right now. And you see he is also wearing a white button-down with a yellow tie. Can I get a moment of your time, sir? He looks over at you. A little haughtily, one could say. Moment shouldn't cost you much. Why? You looking to hire me? No. No, I'm not. I'm investigating a murder case. He raises his eyebrows. A murder case? Really? Yes. Someone around here got plugged recently. Looking for... men who might have connections to the mob. Well, he laughs. You're looking in the wrong place, then. You see, uh, I'm an attorney of the law. And he pulls out a business card and hands it to you. It says, Kurt Westbirch, attorney at law, lists a phone number and an address. It's white paper with gold lettering embossed. Very fancy. Mm. Well... You telling me an attorney at law doesn't have ties to the mob in these times? Are you the one honest one in town? I'm sorry, I usually only ask answer questions for paying clients. Alright, I stand up, walk away. It'd have to be crazier than rabid monkey in a bag to try to extract questions from an attorney. I realize that. I realize my mistake now. Head over to the working man. Sit down across from him. He's sitting at one of the round tables on a chair. He's got a beer in front of him that's about a third full. Could I get a moment of your time? Mm. You know anyone around here who'd happen to have a grudge against a detective? <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I know a few. How wealthy. He kind of narrows it, his eyes at you. 
What's it to you? Looking into something for a friend of mine. He says, he thinks someone's after him. Possibly someone with money. I want to know if there's any truth to it. Can you make me some sort of role for that? Mm. What what skills does Magnum have here? Can I use streetwise? I don't think that streetwise applies here. I think streetwise is more like Oh, you're right. You're right. Like finding your way in a city. Yeah. Honestly, this might just have to be wild die plus charisma. Yeah, works for me. Five. All right, that is a single success. Um. Yeah. I mean, geez, everyone near everybody I know has a grudge against some detective or another. These days, I guess that can't be helped. Any hate one enough to want him dead? Yeah, maybe a few. I see. Thank you for your time. Stand up. He takes a drink from his beer. One option left for people to talk to. I head over to a bar stool a ways away from the attorney. Try to flag down the bartender. Yeah, it takes a moment or two. She finishes cleaning the glass she's working on, and then heads on over. What can I get you? Bourbon. Neat. Uh, three fingers. She walks over to the bar and grabs a bottle that looks like a... kind of like a zigzaggy helix and pours you a pretty generous three-finger glass. Hi. Not my appreciation. Take a sip. The power were to go out here. Where would I find the breakers? <laughs> Why do you want to know that? Long habit of mine. Worked uh, too many cases where power goes off. Heard too many horror stories of people seeing the power go off and and never seeing anything again. Got me paranoid in these days. Well, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm just gonna be telling any old customer where the uh, where the power is, but I mean, you're safe in here. And she nods her head towards the 
lever-action rifle she keeps over the bar. Good to know. I continue sipping on the bourbon. It's a good bourbon. The rifle was clearly what I heard rack. Only a lever action would make a noise like that. The click. Can you make me an investigation check to see if you are able to identify that? Five. Yeah. You're pretty sure. Could have been a lever action. Could have been something with a pump action. But you see the lever action, so. Odds are. Makes sense. That being said, I also heard a click. Can I make a... Can I make a shooting roll to see if I can identify the type of round that shot me? Ooh. Yeah. I think... Yeah, yeah, you can... Yeah, just shooting would be fine. Six. Hmm. Yeah, you're able to identify a few things. It wasn't any sort of, uh, like, shotgun shot, as in multiple balls. It was a single slug. It was, I mean, obviously you're, you weren't able to measure the entrance or exit wound, um, but it... I don't suppose I felt it hollow point. <laughs> no, you did not feel it hollow point. Went in, went out. Single, solid shot. Could I make an investigation roll to see if I could narrow down the types of rounds it would be based on what is and isn't a hollow point. Could you just explain what you mean by that a little more? So, at least I assume the way it works in Deadlands is uh, the same. Some calibers, like, say, 357 or 44, will effectively only ever be fired as hollow points. So, since I know it didn't, can I try to figure out what kind of caliber it would be and whether or not I can eliminate the rifle as what shot me? I think it is more likely that you would be able to roll and identify the caliber of the rifle. First. Okay. Um. Uh, I mean, yeah. Just, just go for it. See if you can figure out. I actually, you know, I'm just gonna say that it's it's fairly reasonable that you have a decent knowledge of what calibers are and aren't hollow point. I think I think that's reasonably part of your detective knowledge. That's fair. 
Um, so that's just something you know. All right. Um, that being said, you don't know what caliber the rifle is. So. Yeah. So would that be investigation or shooting? Uh, in it could be either. You will get different modifiers. Investigation. All right. No negative. Six. My rolls are not doing well today. <laughs> yeah, you could really use some raises on these. Yeah. Uh, it is 30-30. Which, uh, I don't... I don't know if it comes in a hollow point, but I know that it comes in not hollow point. Good to know. My eyes narrow on the rifle. Hmm. Easily the source of our magic bullet, so to speak. How close is it to the attorney? Um, he is, it's... It's probably about 10, 15 feet on the diagonal. You'd have to hop the bar, cross the depth of the bar, and then reach up to it. That being said, chair being pulled back, he stands up. Thud, he vaults the bar and lands. Scuffling, he runs the length of the bar. The click is the chambering of the rifle. The click is the safety. And the rest is history. I go back to the attorney. How many questions will 10 bucks get me? We'll call it one. I take the bill out of my pocket slide it to him. He takes it. Would you ever have cause to kill a man? No, what kind of question is that? In a city ruled by thugs where Boys' fathers are killed, and... Can you roll me investigation? Spending a Benny. Ten. Oh, you exploded. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so that's two raises. Or, yeah, a single raise, which is still good. Better than I've been getting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You... When you say when boys' fathers are killed, he flinches briefly. My eyes narrow. Can I... Can I roll notice to see, now that I'm looking at his face, if I recognize him at all? Like, if I've ever encountered yeah. this attorney. Yeah. 
got some different rules in there. You do have three bennies. And the sleuth edge. Ooh. What's that do? I'm going to spend a benny to know all relevant clues in this scene. (laughs) (laughs) I will say for this role. Fair. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. As moderator... Or as a DM, I could not allow that. <laughs> you don't recognize him. Hell, you don't recognize anything about this man. But you notice him twisting his wedding ring. And it takes you a minute. But you recognize that ring. You've seen it on the finger of a man before. Or at least one just like it finger of Donnie Westbirch. Revelation hits me like a ten-ton wrecking ball moving like a speeding bullet. This man, that wedding ring, he's either the man I put away for dropping the mobster who whacked his father or someone very close to him. That's more than enough reason to want me dead. Before I even know it, my hand starts to drift towards the lamat sewn to the inside of my trousers. Where'd you get the ring? It's nice. It's my wedding ring. I stare at him. Yours. Yes. How long have you been married? Four years. Well, I was. Was? He died recently. My condolences. Tell me. Did you follow my recent case at all? (laughs) I'm sorry, I have... No idea who you are. And roll me notice or investigation. Uh, it's going to be investigation. Mm. Nope, the hell with it. I'm spending another Benny to re-roll that. You get to keep the better roll regardless, just so you know. Oh, that's good. This is the better roll, so nine. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's lying. Really? Last I'd heard, every last bloodsucker in the city followed that one. How could you not? Well, I may have followed the case, but that doesn't mean I know who you are. I've been I've been watching people a long time. Learned to tell a lot from faces. But I've also found you can Learn a lot more about someone from the little things. Like a familiar wedding ring. West Birch. Alarm flashes across his face. His hand dives 
into his jacket pocket. I go for my gun as well. All right. Roll initiative. <laughs> All right. Agility plus wild die. Actually, let's have a uh, let's have Clint here go first. Sorry, I, that's his first name. <laughs> oh wait, sorry. Ah, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, we're doing this wrong. Initiative in Deadlands is done with a deck of cards. Let me grab that real quick. All right. If you want to draw your card, all right. And what is that? King of Spades. All right, and I'm going to draw mine into the mic. I have the seven of hearts. So I believe I go first. Uh, I don't know. I think seven's higher than king. <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, in the system, seven's high. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you go first. Yeah, so... I mean, I assume this is just a shooting roll. <laughs> um, I'm gonna make you go quickness to pull it out of sewn into your pants. All right, that's fair. Oh shit, that's agility. <laughs> <laughs> you got that last Ben. If you really need it. Probably will. Four explodes. Seven. Oof, almost. A cop car with its lights flashing speeds by the bar outside. Bathes you two in red and blue light. You go for the gun. You grab it, pull it out. With just one success, I'm going to give you minus two to the shooting roll. That's fair. But I may not be the best shot in the world, but the way I see it, you don't need to aim that well with an underbarrel shotgun at a range of 10 inches. This is true. So, that's what I'm firing with. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, how do, what are the stats on the shotgun attachment for the Lamette? Uh, range of... Ranges are 5, 10, and 20 feet, none of which is particularly relevant. Damage at max range is 3d6. So min range, I guess. Oh, you're right. You're <laughs> right. So 3d6 damage. Yikes. Spending my last penny on this roll. Fair enough. This could be the last roll. Six explodes. Blake rolled three sevens on this roll. The the DA came up seven twice, and he rolled a six and then a one on the, the D six. That hurts my soul. So one success. Um, I oh. am going to say you wing him for numerically halved damage. So it could very easily still get him. Wow. That's insane. You can't see it because we're audio, but my jaw literally hit the floor at this roll. A two and two ones. So four. And no bennies. And no bennies. So four, um, which does st 
equal his toughness, which still wounds him, right? I think you said you're going to have that. Oh, I did say I was going to have that numerically, so two. So he he gets away with it. Yeah, the shot goes off uh, just a little early as you're pulling it out and just right between his legs before you get a chance to line it up with him. I'm in more trouble than if I were on the wrong end of a tiger trap barehanded and slathered in steak sauce. Alright, he is now going to roll shooting. He reaches into the depths of his jacket and pulls out a shiny 9mm. He gets a 4, which explodes. 7, a single, uh, whatchamacallit, hit, uh, success, single success. Um... Four. What's the damage on your pistol? Uh, 2d6 plus 1. Four. 2d6 plus 1 damage. Trying to beat 4. I get 8. That hurts. That does hurt. So, is that one wound or two wounds? Blake is shaken and takes a single wound. Got it. If Blake had bennies left, they could be spent trying to soak it. But alas. No, I think he always gets to soak. And then the bennies let him re-roll the soak, or am I wrong about that? You can only soak if you have a benny. Alright, yeah. He, like, basically falls slash stumbles backwards off his chair, draws the gun. <laughs> hits you right. It doesn't it's not like a direct direct hit but it goes like it kind of grazes your side and cracks a rib pretty bad i stumble back hand to my side vision spinning yeah you hear sandy screaming in the background and the gun the the rifle above the bar rack i Level my gun back at him. Not yet, you because you're shaken. That's right. I'm also going to draw for Sandy, um, who will join in the next round. <laughs> Two of diamonds. <laughs> it's alright, because you draw for every round. Oh, never mind. I, I will draw for her when the next round starts. Two on the spirit roll. You remain shaken. Oof. You can perform free actions, though. Which is things like moving, interacting with objects. Um, wait actually so sorry should we have redrawn for this round so we should do that so we'll say that that entire thing is non-canon actually uh time rewinds for the second time in this episode and we are at the top of round rewind rewind alright I am shuffling bleep or rather magnum Eight of spades. Clint, seven of, uh, these are Harry Potter die. I've been interpreting the, the suits, but these are, this is the seven of Hufflepuffs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Sandy gets the five of Slytherins. So Magnum's at the top. All right. Spirit roll. Mm-hmm. 
Magnificent, my D8 explodes. <laughs> oh my god. Fifteen. So that is a success in two raises. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he definitely succeeds. Yeah, you feel adrenaline flood your system. For a second, your breath was strained and painful from the cracked rib, but you feel strength flooding back into your limbs. West Birch, real shame what happened to your husband. But I wasn't going to take it to you. Now you made it personal. And when you deal with me, you aren't business for the cops. You're business for the Undertaker. Nice. And that's shooting again. Assume not the shotgun. That is correct. <laughs> Only one shot. Also, to our audience, the Lamat is a real Civil War era pistol with a shotgun. It's kind of cool. Check it out. Six on the shooting roll. All right, that will hit. 2d6 plus one damage. Versus four. Not have this time. Hopefully not a bad roll this time. One of the sixes explodes. So that's... Eleven. Yes. Plus three. That is two... That is a success and a raise. Uh, for he is shaken... And takes a wound? No, but the raise on the damage roll means two wounds, right? No, the raise means one wound. Got it. Normally you only get shaken. Understood. Yeah. So you hit him in the shoulder. His left arm goes limp, and he staggers backwards. Susie points the rifle at him. Put the fucking gun down, mister. Uh, she is going to roll Intimidate, or whatever the associated skill is in this setting. I think Intimidate still works. <laughs> Ooh. Not amazing. She gets a three. Doesn't she have a Benny? Oh, she does have a Benny. She's gonna roll that Benny. Come on, Sandy. I think I told her Susie. Alright. Four explodes. Oh, I don't, I'm also just rolling the wrong die here. This should be a D8 and a D6. <laughs> So, we'll we'll say I still use the bunny for fucking that up, but rerolling it correctly now. Alright. Both succeed. She gets a seven. Um, yeah. Um, I don't think that's enough to straight up, like, talk him down, but that's gonna give him minus two to his spirit roll when he goes to recover. Uh, which he is doing right now. He gets a four, but at minus two, he fails the spirit roll. So he stays shaken. Yeah, he just... I think he's going to go for the door. He takes the bullet in the shoulder. He has the rifle pointed at him, and he just turns and runs. Redraw for initiative. Yep. If he get, if he wins this, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> I want this to turn into a chase down the street. <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> Go ahead, Magnum. Three of Hufflepuffs. Clint gets the two of Hufflepuffs. <laughs> Incredible. And Sandy gets the ten of Ravenclaws. Uh, Sandy is... Yeah. <laughs> Sandy, she goes, 
son of a bitch, and throws the rifle down and grabs a bottle and throws it at him. That is going to count as an untrained skill, so d4 and a d6 at minus two. <laughs> yeah, the bottle shatters harmlessly off the wall next to the door. Yeah. Um, I'm going to shoot him again. Go for it. <laughs> See, that's... Six explodes. <laughs> Six explodes oh again. God. That's twelve. Sixteen. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, three raises. Three raises. That's gotta add to his damage roll, right? Dude, rule of cool says it has yeah. to. Even if it, even if it doesn't, I'm gonna say you add an extra. We're either gonna go by raw or you add an extra d6 damage for that. Rules lawyer says. Rules lawyer says range damage is just fixed. Nope. <laughs> Extra d6 damage. We're gonna say that's for like hitting, like vital. Oh, spots, hang on, yeah. hang on. Oh, We've got oh, the classic relevant information at the end. Oh, of another paragraph. Of course. Um. So if you get one or more raises, you get one d6. It doesn't increase. Okay, so yeah, that's what we were going to play it as. Perfect. All right. Two fours and one of them explodes. Jesus. So that is eight plus seven for 15 damage. That is... Is that just another wound because it's just one raise? Or no, it's two because he's staggered already? Wait, it's just one, one raise? Oh no, it's eight plus seven. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, that's two wounds. That is two wounds. <sighs> which incapacitates. Yeah. Your man's is now bleeding out. So, describe this little action scene for me, Magnum. He goes for the door. Bottle arcs over the top of my vision. Shatters against the glass. Alcohol splashing over him. He reaches for the door. I draw my gun. There's a loud bang. A crack spiderwebs through the glass as a neat hole forms in the back of his head, and the front of his head explodes out the hole in the glass. <laughs> Sandy looks over at you. You're paying for a new door. <laughs> uh, I sigh, of course. <laughs> Alright, uh, and this is where... So, uh, we forgot to make the vigor roll for Clint. Uh, so we'll do that now. He rolls 2d6 minus 1 for each of the wounds, which is 3, and if he fails, he stays incapacitated and bleeds out. Um. Two fours at minus 3 is That's two a crit ones, fail. That's so a crit fail. <laughs> think, think Clint's dead. Yeah, the total of one or less character dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bullet through the brain will do that. Yeah. So what do you do, Magnum? Drink. So, what's known as the Creeper Sweeper, which is a little two-foot metal disc 
with a pentagram inscribed in the top with a small wooden bowl in the center. Some suspicious red stains that floats around hoovering up dirt starts to clean up the blood. <laughs> Just another day in the life. If you look behind you, you see uh, Ted with a switchblade out. He's putting it away as he sits back down to his drink. That was the click. And if you close your eyes for a brief moment, you see the Manitou's disappointed face as it clutches the ticking down hourglass in its grasp and retreats back into your mind. I think that's it. Yeah. 47 minutes, not bad. I really wanted him to get out the door there. Yeah, that would have been, awesome. been wild. <laughs> Quite a riot. How did we do, Derek? Oh, I, I really, really liked this one. Um, Blake, I enjoyed how you really picked it up with the noir similes. Uh, all those like classic hard-boiled detective lines were great. Um, Thank you. Mm-hmm, yeah, the, the flask one was a bit iffy, but, but we worked it out, and then things took off, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know that Gun for Hire also tries to work in the same vibe. Snow, like white plumes on a hearse, and so on. Yeah, they. that being said, they beat me in terms of quality and numbers in like the first five minutes, so... <laughs> that's true, that's true. They had more They had more than an hour to tell their story, and to be fair. We, we caught the bad guy in, in 47 minutes. <laughs> that's true. <sighs> yeah. Um, but also, Blake, I, I thought your voice was really cool in general. Even outside of the similes, it was very gritty and did well in setting the general tone. Uh, Alex, I, I think I really liked the setting descriptions from you this time. They just really came across, like, subtle things. I, I liked the triple helix shape on the bottle, for example, with the liquor. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And that whole thing with the little... Arcane Satanic Roomba. Roomba. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That was awesome. That was named the Creeper Sweeper in my notes. Yeah, no, like, just great stuff that really, I guess, defines the world around the characters. Makes it more real. I liked it. Good stuff. Thank you. Yeah, one, one gripe I had for you both, I think, was that sometimes the vibes fall a little flat during, like, conversations. Uh... Characters, you know, could have been, like, more excited, angry, morose. I, I feel like Alex, playing the different characters, you could have maybe afforded to have one or two, like, take offense, you know? And, like, really react, blow up at Blake. Or, like, really really be sad. I, I liked that you did a bit with a bartender. That was good. But in the conversation where Blake was talking to the married man, Westbirch, I think the tone was just, like, Basically a flat line the entire time, just two gritty, like, male characters rasping at one another. And it wasn't the most interesting to listen to. I feel like there could have been more emotion somewhere on somebody's part. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. I was yeah. I was trying to go for, like, like smooth-talking lawyer vibe, but I think I instead hit one-dimensional monotone. Yeah, like, both of you were just, like, so similarly reticent there yeah i agree yeah grizzled private detective there was just sort of nice little 
mirror for one dimensional. Yeah. And and that's all I've got. On the most part, I really enjoyed listening. Thank you guys. Thank you. Um, is it alright if I go next, please? Go right ahead. I really liked I mean, gosh. I honestly I did not write down any any criticisms of of your performance, and I think that says a lot to my praise of your performance. Um like I was worried that this was going to take too long, that I had like not given enough not like not given enough, but like that it was it was too complicated. There was like a whole bunch of things that happened in the dark and I was like Ah and then you just like kicked ass and were like Gimme the info and people gave you the info and then you shot him and it was sick. Um I'm kind of rambling. I just I just had a really good time with that with that episode, and I really liked that. Um, something I wish I had done more. Uh, this is my main criticism. Is um, I think I could have done a lot more to distinguish between the three different voices of the characters. Given that all I really did this session was talk, uh, and while the three characters definitely had different voices, I don't. I think I often forget that I need to do like what sounds like three times as much or, like, three times too much of a voice to me for it to sound like a distinguished voice on mic sometimes. And just, like, I think I could get a lot better at that. Specifically, you, Blake, are very good at that. Like Dark said, your voice was sick. <laughs> Thank you. That is all of my comments. Yeah, um, your, your mystery honestly really intimidated me. I was... I had no idea I was going to get it until I stumbled backwards into it. <laughs> that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, what's especially shocking is that I basically just made two wrong assumptions that happened to cancel out. <laughs> wait, wait, what are you referring to? Um, I'm referring to assuming... West Birch jumped the bar and that it was the rifle that shot me. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that's true, that's true. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking more of, like, you solving it by figuring out that it was West Birch and then talking him into a corner where he... Like, he, he basically confessed by going for his gun, you know? That's true. So I, I consider that you solving the mystery in that sense. That's a good point. Yeah, um... My main criticism of myself is, yeah, I think I took too long on some of the decisions, both in what I wanted to ask and in conversation. I think we all need to get better at, like, snap committing to things. For sure. What does snap committing mean? Uh, just, like, making a quick in-character decision and not deliberating over whether it's the optimal decision but instead just like reacting and going with it sounds good to me honestly the big thing for me is i need to relax on mic more <laughs> that's difficult <laughs> <laughs> fair yeah i think that is everything we wanted to say i believe so stay tuned for our christmas special coming up in late december also the post show I think this post-show was fun. <laughs> yes. Yes. So fun. Yes. 
also uh i just want to give like another really big shout out to gun for hire they i listened to them like i listened to those character intros like four times over when trying to come up with like tone and setting for this episode here they are very much noir masters give them give them a big old check out they're turbo this. cool they're very turbo cool yes exactly um, exactly insert their twitter handle and instagram here The podcast you have just consumed contains one Alex, one Derek, one Blake, and a rotating cast of dice. It is rough processed at the Lyrica Audio Plant and refined by Dana Bulger, premier audio engineer and sound designer. Special thanks goes to Casey Management Co.